Hello and welcome to Medico Legal Expert Insight. My name is Jessica and in this podcast we interview medical and legal professionals to help connect and understand when, what, why and how both sides interpret the information given to them. The goal is to share expert opinions from both sides of the medico-legal industry. I do want to say a huge thank you to eReports for the support and access to all these incredible experts. So let's get started and connect the dots through conversation. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Tim Wood, sports and exercise medicine physician. Dr. Wood is going to share his experience with elite teams and athletes and how quickly you can recover from an injury, the pitfalls when it comes to relying on imaging to provide a diagnosis or management of someone with a sports or musculoskeletal complaint, and in what context would a lawyer need his expertise for a personal injury case. So let me introduce Dr. Wood. He has served as Chief Medical Officer of Tennis Australia at the Australian Open for 16 years. He's also been part of the Wallabies, Melbourne Rebels, Richmond Football Club and Geelong Football Club. Dr. Wood is a consultant for the American Multinational Investment Bank and Financial Services Company as part of their critical health solutions team serving the Australian, New Zealand and Singapore staff. He's regularly involved in national and international sport and exercise medicine conferences as part as well as being part of conducting education programs for general practice practitioners and allied health professionals. He is also a surgical assistant for leading sports orthopedic surgeons. Dr. Wood, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jess. That's a pleasure to be involved and I'm looking forward to our chat today. Wonderful. Well, let's let's start maybe with explaining to the listeners your area of expertise and why a lawyer would need your or come to you for an opinion for a personal injury case. Um, my primary training, is, as you uh, mentioned in the introduction, is in sport and exercise medicine, which really encompasses the management of uh, athletes who engage in exercise and may sustain an injury, which can be acute. Um, when they fall over, or more insidious or chronic onset, which may apply to uh, tendon injuries, overuse injuries, stress fractures of bone, and that sort of thing. So um, we use that expertise to assist non-athletes, and a lot of my practice is patients who wouldn't describe themselves as regular exercisers, but just ordinary punters off the street, with a variety of musculoskeletal complaints. So a shoulder um, injury can be very similar in a sports person as well as a recreational or non-recreational individual. So the anatomy doesn't change, the type of uh, injuries we see um, emanating from different parts of the body doesn't change, but obviously we focus and tailor our treatment and rehabilitation according to the needs of the individual and their context or their situation, work, sports they'd like to engage in activities and the like. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you work on both uh, a punter off the street, as you mentioned, and also the elite athletes. So how has those experiences 
from both sides allowed you to understand the role of context in how quickly an individual could recover from an injury from both sides, say? Because I would imagine from uh, an elite sports person, the injury would sometimes be worse than just a regular punter because they're, they're uh, I suppose they're, they're, they'd be more passionate about what they're doing. Is that right? Um, look, there are two things there that uh, elite athletes obviously train every day, seven days a week, most of them. They're encouraged to have one or two days off, both for physical and mental um, reasons. Um, so their injuries and the context of their uh, sport, if it's a collision sport, they can obviously be subjected to high forces uh, when they're uh, hit suddenly off the ball in Australian rules football, tackled in the rugby codes. Um, so, yes, sometimes their injuries can seem worse, but then they recover more quickly than individuals who may have been injured at work um, and other contextual factors can influence how that worker, for example, recovers from injury. And you mentioned how my um, expertise may help a, a lawyer, a personal injury lawyer. It's really trying to tease out some of those factors and understanding why has this person gone on to develop persisting pain, um, for example, after what seemingly looked like a fairly innocuous fall or a strain injury to a muscle, and I can give a, an example that's pertinent uh, in the current climate of uh, football's finals about to uh, about to come upon us. Yeah. Um, so it's just in, it's using that expertise both in the sports medicine setting and how we've been able to actively get individuals who um, have sustained an injury, but understand how can we rehabilitate them in as timely a manner as possible with um, getting them the best outcome. And for, as you talk, as we talked about, the punters off the street, get them back to their, their, their chosen sport because it's a very big part of everybody's lives and particularly in the current uh, climate and shutdowns, particularly here in Victoria, um, exercise is, is a really important uh, aspect of uh, optimising individuals' mental health. Yeah, yeah. So is there certain techniques that you would use to help them recover quicker? Um, really, it's, it's often a mindset situation um, early okay. on to give some great reassurance about what uh, their injury is. Um, so getting a, a diagnosis and reassuring them that this is an injury from which they will make a recovery. Now, obviously, in some injuries, there's some uncertainty and particularly uh, sometimes if surgery is required, but by and large, we must remember that the human body has an incredible capacity to heal. And we reassure them that that's the case. And if the, if the patient or in context of a sports team, the player um, has a very early input of positive messages about the injury, um, that can certainly focus their rehabilitation, bring the mind and the body into sync to optimize the healing. And I think we shouldn't underestimate how that strength between the mind and the body and what's going on in the brain can dramatically influence the healing of, of that injury. So, for example, um, as I said, coming up to the finals, we might see, and we saw last night, uh, one of the Richmond footballers, uh, Tom Lynch, sustained what looks like a sort of uh, minor hamstring strain. But we've only got three weeks until the final start. We've got one more home and away game, a week off, and then the final start. Um, so, you know, it's critical that he undertakes the appropriate rehabilitation but with a very much uh, a timetable focused on getting him back for the first week of the finals, giving him reassurance that the injury is capable of recovering in that time. And with a very structured rehabilitation program, um, he will almost certainly achieve getting back for that first week of finals. Yeah. So if we contrast that. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was just saying, I was just thinking that it's really important that you get onto the inju injury quite quickly because 
then those you mentioned before that sometimes it, it can become a mental thing as well. So getting onto it and coming up with the 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 rehab or the the diagnosis straight away is really important too. Would that be right? Absolutely. And I think it's those first important messages about that injury um, and looking at the context in which that injury took place. As again, going back to Tom Lynch, he's a professional athlete. Essentially, he's injured himself at work, but the motivation is significant there to get him back into the team and hopefully go through with a, a, a sort of injury-free recovery and no sense of uh, risk of recurrence. Whereas we can contrast that with an injured worker where, for example, I was involved in a case where someone slipped on um, some oil on the ground by a machine um, and strained his hamstring as well, very similar to Tom Lynch uh, last night. Now, the problem in that injury was that uh, the oil was leaking from a machine that that worker had repeatedly told his manager needed to be fixed. But his request fell on seemingly deaf ears, and he then slipped on that oil, straining his uh, hamstring. Um, and clearly, there would be a sense of anger around mm. that injury that he's now got injured because of something that someone hasn't done in terms of fixing the machine. And to add salt in the wound, the next day he hears that the machine was fixed and the oil no longer leaked from it. Mm. Now, he's also uh, got an elderly mother who's in a nursing home who needs to be taken out. Uh, he goes to visit her once a week and he takes her out in a wheelchair. But it's quite hilly around the nursing home, so he needs good strength in his hamstrings and no pain in his hamstrings to be able to push her in the wheelchair. And she looks forward to his weekly visits and looks forward to the walk. But now that he's strained his hamstring, because of that leaking oil from a machine that he told someone needed to be fixed, he's now unable to do that. So he feels bad for his mother. So he's angry with the injury having occurred in the first place. And now he's upset and sad that he can't take his mother out for the normal walk in the wheelchair and they have to sit inside in her room. Um, so that, those, con those contextual factors can immediately play a role in how quickly that individual recovers from that injury. Yeah. Now, he might start appropriate rehabilitation, um, but the messages that he's given when he goes to have treatment can also play a role in how his injury recovers. And if he gets any messages to suggest that this is a bad or serious injury, if he gets a scan, an ultrasound that says there's a significant tear in the muscle, those sort of words, just listening and hearing to those words, can again influence the brain in how it then recovers from that injury. And uh, in metaphor terms, a, a group uh, from the Neuroorthopedic Institute, um, uh, David Butler um, and Lauren Mosley, talk about dims and sims in our rehabilitation journey. Mm -hmm. um, dims are danger in me and sims are safety in me. And these are messages, so if the messages coming in are more scary messages for the brain, uh, stimulates a sort of danger response, then that injury isn't going to recover as quickly and can turn into an injury that may end up with a persisting or what's uh, previously been known as a chronic pain problem. Whereas we need lots of sims early on, safety messages saying, you're doing really well in your rehab, this injury is going to uh, recover nicely, you'll be back at work in no time and we'll have you uh, pushing your grandmother, your, sorry, your mother up in that wheelchair uh, around the, uh, the nursing home grounds. So we need those lots of sims and minimise those sims. Yeah, which it's so important that that even makes me think the the importance of the the words that the specialist uses when the worker or the 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 examinee comes and sees you that the words that you're using to diagnose what his or her problems are are really important. 
Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. And I think that's something that we all need to be aware of. What we may view as a fairly flippant throwaway line or comment can be picked up by the, uh, the, the, the patient and be a dim, a danger in me. And that can then form what we call a neural pathway that can then be playing constantly in the background because the patient remembers those words that have been spoken or the words on a radiology report saying severe arthritis or significant tear, all these words conjure up potential danger signals. And not only is it the danger signal coming from the injury, but these messages that the, uh, the patient has after his injury can all play a significant role in how quickly that person recovers uh, from their injury. Yeah, definitely. And when you're when you do have uh, people coming in to see you, I'm guessing that you would be provided with scans and lots of um, imaging and things like that to go with the the pre collateral that you're getting. Is there any sort of pitfalls on relying on the scans to provide a diagnosis or management in someone with a sports or musculoskeletal complaint? There certainly are. And the main reason for that is that as we age, we age externally with wrinkles are the most obvious signs of aging. Um, and we don't expect wrinkles to hurt, although they may psychologically, which is why Botox does such a good business. But we don't physically expect to have pain from the wrinkles on our face as we get older. And that process occurs within our body as well. So we know from the use of both plain x-rays, ultrasound, and CT scans and MRI scans, the normal scans involved in uh, investigating someone after an injury, particularly those more sophisticated scans, CT scans and MRIs, that if you scan the normal healthy population who have no symptoms, for example, in their lower back, we will see as we age increasing signs of changes in the disc, whether it's disc height, disc prolapse, uh, the signal in terms of the water content of the disc, uh, the facet joints start showing arthritis, um, the openings where the nerves come out start to narrow. But these findings are seen in healthy, completely asymptomatic individuals who are going about their normal day-to-day -day activities, including sporting activities, with no back pain, no leg pain, and uh, completely oblivious to those changes. So, of course, when we get an injured worker with back pain, which may or may not be radiating into their legs, uh, sciatica-type symptoms or otherwise, and they've had a scan, which if they're in their 50s and 60s may show lots of pathology as expected, but then trying to ascribe their symptoms to the findings on the scan can be fraught with problems mm -hmm. and can certainly be a major potential for a DIM, a danger in me signal to the brain that all oh, that nerve is being squashed by that disc bulge when we know that that can happen quite asymptomatically in the normal population. And whilst it's not to devalue the findings on the scan, and we should certainly investigate and appreciate whether those findings are relevant to that individual, it's when there's an overemphasis on taking those findings on the MRIs, giving them a, a diagnosis that is not rigorously scientifically supported and running with that diagnosis, which can lead people down a rabbit hole from which it can be very hard to get out of. Mm. Interesting. So, if, if I was a, a lawyer coming to you for, with a, a client 
what what is the advice that you would give to that lawyer on providing the best information to you and making sure that they get the best out of having their clients see you as part of the medico legal process? Well, obviously there are two sides uh, to which the lawyer may approach me. Um, there may be uh, lawyers who want me to try and determine the cause of that person's problem in terms of if it wasn't an acute injury and it was more chronic onset, can we attribute the symptoms and complaint that the, the patient's worker has to their employment? And it's really getting an understanding from uh, the, the, the worker, what type of activities they undertook, the um, timing of their pain. And what I enjoy particularly is forensically going through any previous medical records to see through no fault of the worker, whether they had forgotten about previous episodes of symptoms in that area of the body and whether there had been previous investigations, which might have shown us that, in fact, the changes upon which everybody is now saying their problem uh, exists actually occurred well before that. And uh, having had that scan, they might have been completely recovered. The problem was still on the scan, but then they had a work injury and the problem was rediscovered with another scan. So my role would really be to assist any lawyer in giving a fair assessment of the worker, a truly independent assessment. Mm. Coming from a sports medicine background, understanding the nuances and contextual factors that are relevant and ensuring all those are teased out uh, during the interview and examination and the report that uh, is then submitted to the lawyer. So for them to understand, is there a causal association between their work and the injury or isn't there? what may be the best management. Has this injury truly stabilised or is there a potential for further improvement and what type of treatment that might involve? And it doesn't always uh, obviously involve necessary drugs or injections or surgery. There can be lots of other rehabilitative type treatment, rehabilitation type treatment that can be enormously helpful to them. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your insights today, Dr. Wood. This has been very informative. Um, I'm sure our listeners would have got a lot out of it. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Jess. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.